Hello and welcome. This is the Network Collective Community Roundtable, and I'm your host, Jordan Martin. Networking is one of those industries where every time a good idea comes around, it does not take long for that idea to get co-opted and turned into something to sell products, often drastically changing the intent of that original idea. So today we're going to try to roll back the clock a bit and discuss the original idea around intent-based networking. What is it? What does it mean for you? And how do products fit into that original intent? So this conversation is, well, I would say it's bit, but it's more than a bit. It's an ad hoc conversation. This started <laughs> yes, as a Twitter thread between Tony, Darren, and myself, and we decided it was more than worthy of recording as an episode. So like uh, about 15 minutes after we made this decision, here we are on a Saturday afternoon because we are so cool as network engineers that we have nothing better to do <laughs> on right. a Saturday uh, than get together and record an episode ad hoc. So, But it's great. I, I really love this. It was a, a passionate conversation. Yeah. But before we get into it, um, joining me as always is Tony E. Tony, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah. Also joining us, as I said before, is longtime supporter of Network Collective and my friend Darren Fullwell. Darren, how are you today? Hey, very good. Thank you, Jordan. Good to uh, good to hear and see you both. Likewise, you. man. Likewise. So, so we're talking about intent-based networking today, and it's yeah. This is one of those terms. Like, I kind of well, I, I'm very. I have some opinions. Shocking, right? Like I have some opinions and that's a really, that should be surprising to everyone who listens to this show. I have some opinions about this because I really think that the way that it's been defined in the industry uh, has been, it, it, it's fantasy. Like the, this idea of, of what the vendors are trying to sell people as intent-based networking. And so I don't, and please don't take this as me pointing to the fingers at vendors, because at, this, at, at the beginning of, of all of this, it's their job to sell equipment, right? And they're going to try to make their equipment fit into whatever trend is out there. I don't begrudge them for this, but it often makes things confusing for us as engineers, right? So if we are to take what intent-based networking is according to the vendors today, um, I would say that, you know, the definition is you should be able to speak in plain English, right? What exactly it is that you want your network to be doing across all facets, whether you're talking about your campus, you're talking about your WAN, you're talking about your data center or your cloud, you should be able to speak in plain English, your business policy. I want this application to have priority. I want this traffic to be less important than other traffic. Like I, I should be able to speak like that or type in those types of words and then magically on the back end, something interprets what that means, <laughs> turns that into a configuration, or not just one, many different configurations, places those configurations out on devices, and then validates <laughs> that that is actually what's going on in the network. And that I, as a network architect and designer, now no longer have any responsibility for the implementation or any of the core components. I literally just speak it. And it happens. And, it and happens. to me, this is like when I was a kid and I watched the Jetsons, right? So <laughs> when I watched the Jetsons, right? Like, did I want a flying car? Absolutely. Uh, did I want the robot made? Well, maybe not when I was a kid, but now, yeah, I'm on board, man. Like, that sounds like a great idea. And and so I think that these are things that we should work towards, man. If sure. we could do it, that's great. That's a, It's a great vision of the future, but it's the future. Yeah. <laughs> like it's new. We're, we're nowhere there now. Nowhere near that now. This, right? this is the idea of an autonomic network, isn't it? Is yes. what we're talking about. It's basically, exactly. I tell you what I want, and everything just just goes and works it out and does it for you, and and away we go. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're nowhere near that, are we? So, um, 
Yeah. So, so anyway, so I think in that, like, I think that like, so we have to take a step back. So what's the big deal? So, you know, so vendors, vendors say this, it doesn't really do that. What's the big deal? We're kind of used to that. Well, to me, I think that there's a couple of consequences to this because we're always, you know, we're always sold this idea that every step we take is going to make things simpler and you're going to make things easier. But anytime you implement a half baked solution, something that doesn't fully meet the, the, ultimate goal, you're only getting halfway there. And when you only get halfway there, you now have two networks. You have the network that you manage in the old method and you have the network that you manage in the new method. And so you're, Let's okay. be honest, it's more than two. It's, it's, well, yeah. it's, it's all of the networks that anyone's ever done over time that, that right. you've never quite got away from. Yeah, from, right, yeah. Exactly right, because we, we have this. Like, we never go full all in on this new idea. And so now we have um, complexity. We've, I, I've been having some conversation about IPv6 lately. Yeah. And one of the things around IPv6 that sounds kind of counterintuitive is you want to get to V6 only as fast as possible. Of course. Right? Everyone kind of sees dual stack as like the panacea, but dual stack's not the panacea. That's the transition mechanism because V6, getting to the end state is the goal because when you're in the transition, you have two networks you have to manage. You have two protocols you have to manage. You have interaction surfaces that you may not fully understand how they're interacting with each other. You'd think we'd learn that by now, wouldn't you? Because, you would think so. that is the problem that I see. I mean, as you think of all of those networks you've designed over the years, all of those those projects that you've delivered, they only ever deliver another network to bolt onto the old one. And and it's true. It's true. <laughs> well, and that's and that's why the complexity is, is as yeah. high as it is right now, right, in yeah. networking, is because we just continue to bolt on new ideas to the old ways of doing things and we haven't really changed them. So I, so what I want to do today is I want to take a look and say, okay, what were the original thoughts behind IBM? Not the fantasy, you know, not, not the idea of like this totally autonomous network where I can, I can speak in English, right? There's some real core fundamental concepts that I think are worth, you know, having a conversation about. And I think that the reason why we're talking about this now is because there's been some steps Right to get there, so absolutely. Like as, as we get there, so so let's let's talk about that, sure. right? Because there's some core components. Like we did networks the way we've always done networks, right? And that is and that that is to me. I, I loved explaining it this way, and and people always <laughs> kind of laugh when I do, right? The for intent or for a controller based network, we've always had controller based networks. The difference was that the controllers existed in meat space. Yeah, They're people. Yeah. Right. (laughs) There is somebody who understands what your entire network is supposed to be doing. And that person usually is the person who can't ever take vacations. And that person is the person who can't ever uh, leave. And they're the person who always is having to be on the the after hours phone call because they understand what's going on because they are the controller. They understand what all the parts and pieces do. They understand what all the bits and bytes do. They understand every component of the network. And And we've realized this is untenable. Yeah, no matter how many times they document it or or write it down or email it to people, they're still the the single point of failure. Right, right. And so there was our original controller. And, and, and we've, we've been trying to move to the point where that is no longer the case. Yeah. And, there, and there's some components to that, right? So the first thing is we have to make networks kind of repeatable. Sure. Um, they're modular and repeatable. Yeah. Uh, there's been varying levels of success of this. But then we want to bring automation into it, right? Like that's kind of like the next step. Of, and then the next yeah. step is orchestration. So now all of a sudden the brain is no longer a human brain, but it's the brain of some some machine that sits on your network. Right. And so like these are the steps towards yeah, like yeah. a modern network. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? You yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so networks as they are now, right? So, so what we've done is we've moved from that situation where you've got a human on a keyboard who's punching CLI into, into devices in order to make them all behave and interact and have relationships in, in order to deliver an end-to-end -end service, right? That, that, that's, that's correct. That was, that was what we did, and that's certainly what I did when I first started in this, uh, doing this crazy stuff. Uh, Darren, I'd like to cut you off and say that's not oh. what we did. That's what we do. Ah, fair, fair. <laughs> right? Like most of us are still doing that. We're yeah, still jamming at the CLI, yeah. um, allowing devices to interact and build relationships to deliver a service. Yeah. I mean, the majority of businesses, operations, and people in our field are still doing that. You know, yeah. there's, there's fewer people that are that have delved into and fully accepted automation. Sure. The, the majority are still, you know, hand jamming on the keyboard. Yeah, and no, we're getting I there. Agree with you completely. But but as Jordan says, we're getting there. I think. Yeah. You know, and and you only have to look at uh, really the last the last couple of years, I suppose, in particular, to see you know certification programs and things all spinning up and to to bring network engineers into that 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 whole new world of automation. Um, but we're seeing I want to I want to point out here that yeah. there there still is components of this and yeah. and we're going to come back to this idea Tony because I I agree with you. Um but we're seeing like widespread adoption of SD-WAN right now. Mm. And SD-WAN is a controller based network. There's a yeah. lot of orchestration that's going on. So you as an engineer are still having to get on a interface of some kind, right? But you're doing now more centrally. Yeah. And the, the reason why it still feels like the old networks is because of the fact that we don't have multi-domain orchestration, right? So it still feels like the old networks because we've exactly. taken the complexity from configuring individual devices to configuring the interaction surface between this mesh of devices that is orchestrated with all the devices that live around that it that either orchestrated. aren't orchestrated yeah. or are orchestrated by a different In a orchestrator. Different way. Exactly. Right. And so the exactly. complexity is still there and we still have a human controller. Yeah. The human controller is the controller of controllers. Yeah. Right. It is it is the it is the one that's meshing all this stuff together. And the panacea that that the the vendor version of IBM is trying to sell, eventually, again, you know, the, the idea that that's there, the 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 vision is that you won't need that. Mm. Controller see, of controllers. See, my my view of that one is is that that there will there'll always need to be some controller of controllers and some human in, interaction, but it's all about how it's designed and how it's put together at the layer above that, really. So so this is this is I suppose where it moves into being able to have an automated uh, automated environments to have the orchestration there. But then to have the source of truth, right? The 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 intent for the network, whatever that is, in order to bound that orchestration and and provide the rules, the guardrails for it, so that it's as you would expect it to be, and and doesn't stray from that. Because otherwise, you end up in a situation where, and I'm, I'm sure we've had it, where uh, people have automated something at scale and at speed, and just created a bigger mess quicker. Right than than they would have done previously because they've been been able to increase that blast radius from from one device to a thousand and 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 that's always going to be the danger. So that's where that source of truth has really come to be and come to be a, an important part of of automation platforms and automation systems, right? Um, and you know that's really the first component, I suppose, in in my head of what intent based networking really should be. Because what, what you've then got is a process where a, a network designer receives that, that 
that business outcome that they're trying to achieve. And what their role, their very first role is to, 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 to look at that and say, well, how do I start modeling that in, in terms of a technical intent? What, what is that going to look like? And, and, and how then do I start to think about delivering that? How, how can I successfully achieve that, that outcome? And, the, and where better to put that than in a, in a source of truth, which is going to be that intention. This is, this is how I want everything to measure up when it's completed. So, right. so let me ask you, because you've mentioned mm. source of truth, yeah, and, yeah. and that seems to be something that's a very important component. But what if your source of truth is incomplete? You know, what if your source of truth doesn't have all the data of the network or all of the components that that need to have, you know, intent based policies fulfilled? Um, you, you know, is, is there a solution to that? Or, or is that where you have to start? Your source of truth has to have all of the information it needs. That's exactly the point, isn't it? Is that that, it, and and this is why you need a designer, why you need a network architect, because that that person who comes in and looks at the uh, at the business outcome needs to appreciate what that how that translates into all of the different elements that you need to deploy across all of your different network domains, as Jordan says. You know, no network is just one network. You've always got a, a campus network. You've always got a Wi-Fi environment. You've always got a LAN. You've got DC. You've got cloud. You've got to think about if you're delivering a service, you've got to deliver across all of those things, and they all have to interact. So if you're developing um, that intent, you've got to be able to express it in a way that is be able to be um, orchestrated across all of those network domains. That's that's the key, the key to that stage is understanding that you're de not delivering one network. You can be delivering five or six or seven and, and the interactions between. So so in this, I mean, I think we kind of got a little bit ahead of ourselves when we, we talk about the steps of maturity, right? So we have our traditional, you know, hands-on keyboard yeah. CLI. We introduce automation. Automation helps us uh, do things faster and at scale. We introduce orchestration. Orchestration says, I'm no longer configuring each individual device or having to configure a script that goes configures each individual device. I tell a controller what I want the network to, to, to look like and that, that does it. This is where we get into the idea of, of like networking meshes or, or, yeah. or networks that are, are fabrics. Yeah. Um, mesh is probably a bad word. Fabric is probably a better word uh, for that. We have networking fabrics where we have a domain in our network that is managed by this controller. And we don't go and touch the config on that directly anymore. We don't use the script to hit the API on that device anymore. No. We do everything through the controller. And when we get to that stage is where source of truth, or, or the both in the automation and in the orchestration phase, source of truth plays a big role. So that's also part of the the, the maturation of networks is the idea is that the source of truth goes from um, maybe what was on device, which may be the least mature, to or out of spreadsheets that exist on network shares somewhere uh, into something that machines can read and use as part of either the automation or orchestration of your network. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about a maturity curve here. And, and as Tony pointed out, not everyone has even started on this maturity curve. And that doesn't mean that it's immature. That just means that there's room for growth, right? Like that, that's really what it means is there's room for growth. And everyone needs to make decisions around how much automation is going to benefit them. Sometimes if you're a small network or you have a, a, a point, I'm never one of these people that says every technology belongs in every single network because I think that uh, there are unique use 
cases and, and everyone needs to make the decisions for themselves. But I think automation is going to touch most networks to some degree at some point. And this is part of that maturation curve. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. and yeah, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily just about automating the devices themselves. Is it? It's about the, the wider tooling as well, but we'll probably touch yeah, we'll, on that. We'll, we'll get we, to that in a minute. Right. right? Yeah, cause, yeah. cause ultimately I think that what we're trying to say is there's a grander vision than just automation. Yeah. There's a grander vision than just orchestration. And this is really when we get to the heart of what intent-based networking is, is it is the grander vision. And, and, and there's a reason why we're moving this particular direction. And that is because we've gone, if you've noticed, we've talked about it, we've gone from talking about individual devices to managing devices at scale, to managing devices centrally through a controller, right? Like you see, we're, we're consolidating this down. And what we're doing is we're starting to look at the network, not as a bunch of individual devices with the individual brains that have to all be mangled into doing our will, but somehow coordinating that action from some central place. Yeah. And then once we're able to coordinate that action, what do we do <laughs> now that we can do that? So that maturity through automation is what gives us the tools to allow us to start thinking about our network as a complete system. System. That's exactly. that's why a fabric is a good word to discuss it because it's not, it is a bunch of individual nodes and there are individual components. Like when you get down to the nitty gritty technical components, they all have their own routing table. They all have yeah. their own, their own Mac tables. If they're, you get the idea. They all have their own components that are operating with their view of the network, but it's more coordinated because there's something bigger that's above it. Yeah. That is making sure that these things behave in such a way that is a coordinated action. What do you do with that? Like <laughs> that is that's where we get into intent-based networks because it's great to get yeah, there only yeah, from yeah. an operational standpoint. Great, you have automation, you have orchestration. Sure. Maybe you've reduced complexity. I hope you have. Um, maybe you've you know uh, sped up operations. Maybe you can develop like a CI/CD pipeline where you can do some validation of stuff like that. That's all that's great. Say, yeah, right. That's all as great. code and all those right. sorts of good things. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. great maturity, and yeah, there's yeah. nothing wrong. And businesses will get benefit out of that. But at the end of the day, when you have a a, a systemic view, all of a sudden the network changes in the way that yeah. it behaves, right? Like, it, or it can. It can. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, can. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of what we're heading to where, and that's where intent-based networking really steps in. Yeah. So uh, there's there's kind of three ways of of taking and um, structuring intent-based networking. And in this, we're completely ripping off IETF wholesale. Oh, so just, sorry. just to be completely clear, <laughs> you know, like the, this isn't our original idea and this isn't whatever, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it, their, their structure is really good because yeah. I think it very clearly and succinctly kind of lays out what IBN or intent-based networking really is. Yeah. And the first, the, the first step is defining your intent. Absolutely. So we, now we're in this orchestrated system. We have we have widespread capability to manage the, the network as a system, as, as a holistic system. We need to be able to define what we want it to do. Yeah. And that's, and that's going to be down to the network architect, network designer, whoever it is, to understand that business outcome that you're looking for and be able to appreciate what, what you need to record of that in order... To, uh, to to push that intent down into the rest of the system, and I won't mention the other elements just yet. But uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> but, but the, the point is that that you you know whatever it is, we're not talking about we're not talking at this stage about VLANs, and we're not talking about subnets, and we're not talking about those those constructs. What we're talking about is um, 
services and how those services are used and consumed by by things in the network, you know, that are connected to the network. These are well, abs- this is abstract. This policy. is abstraction, right? Exactly right. that. So yeah. you're saying. You're saying, okay, I need this application to be deployed and I need it to be accessed in this way by these kinds of people who are going to be connected on this type of network or um, I need to ensure that my things that are connected to to these switches, or sorry, I've gone down to, to devices. But, <laughs> But but the IoT elements, let's say, of my of my network, I need to be sure that no one can access them, and that but they are able to push data into my database, which is going to live in a platform which is in the cloud. Or what right. you're talking about that sort of level of expression, so that you're able to then from from the at the next layer down start to understand right. Well, how what does how do I make sure that that's going to be implemented correctly, and how can I make sure that uh, that that's been done successfully. We'll and I want to talk about this for a minute because sure. you, 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 we're talking about uh, an abstracted policy language, but you can yeah. only abstract the, the components that are available to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I talk about abstraction a lot. When I talk about abstraction, uh, I kind of take a, a somewhat, um, I mean, I'm all in on abstraction. There's value in abstraction, but the problem with abstraction is you can only abstract what is well-defined yeah. and which is always repeatable. Um, as soon as it's, as soon as it's not reliable or not definable, abstracting it just makes it more complicated, like trying to abstract it makes it more complicated. And so when we're talking about abstracting here, it is highly likely you're going to have a different policy language, at least slightly different policy language for those different networks that we talked about. The, The panacea is to have a single abstracted language that is relevant to your LAN, your campus, your your wide area network, your wireless network, your cloud. We're nowhere near that. that that's not reality. That's the Jetsons, right? So, yeah. so what we're talking about here is within a domain, I want to be able to define certain things. Now, there may be some things that are universal. Maybe, maybe I can get identity to be a universal component. Yeah. Maybe I can't, right? But the idea is we're abstracting as much as we possibly can and then providing enough detail in the abstraction to be able to differentiate between those networks to get them to do what we need them That's to do. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah, it. Right. And, and, and you know, if you can, like, as you say, if you're able to express them in a in a in a uh, a policy framework that's able to be used across multiple domains of the network, so much the better. So much the better, right? L- less confusing if we can reuse components. Because I mean, this is really our, our big deal. Because yeah. right now, like, so SD WAN is one of those highly orchestrated networks like we used before. Yeah. We have lots of components in there that we could possibly use. We've seen even large vendors who have products, orchestration products in this in, in these different domains who have an orchestrated for their LAN, have an orchestrator for their WAN, have an yeah. orchestrator for cloud, have an orchestrator for domain uh, for the for the data center, having um, challenges, even just getting basic yeah. integration between those domains because they are wildly different networks with wildly yeah. different problems and wildly different solutions. And, and 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 in that case, you know, potentially different policy engines as well, right? That's, so that's exactly correct. this, exactly. And this. so and so this abstraction will remain technical yeah. for quite some time because it's still going to require an understanding of the underlying system and what its capabilities are. Yeah. So this is where this is where the <laughs> the reality gets separated from the fiction. We're not near natural English interpretation on a network wide scale because we have we can't abstract to that level yet. It's just not possible. So what we're doing now is we're saying, okay, here's our network architect. He's a smart guy. He understands what the capability of the LAN is and what all those things and how much of it can be abstracted. Yeah. And and what we can on the WAN, what parts of those components can be abstracted together. 
and, yeah. and what parts are are unique and i'm going to have to do some translation between and, one yeah, edge and, and what the interaction between the two looks yep. like and and so on yeah yeah so if i definitely don't want to get the idea that somehow intent-based networking <laughs> removes yeah. the technical components of all of this because we're not there it may be some part in our future where we have a- autonomous networks that we can define that way that's yeah. you know we're headed that direction but I don't know how long that is, and we're not near it now. So no, no, certainly I, I'm not just in a as close to my flying car, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah so, yeah, yeah. so when so I get I, my flying car, I may, uh, I may uh, reevaluate <laughs> my stance on this. But yeah. So I want to jump in here and and ask the question, um, because you're talking about defining intent, policy, these things, and and doing things on the network. So is IBN? Uh, is it a thing that? that we can interact with? Is it a thing that I can buy and touch and feel and hold and drive? Or is this just sort of like a like an abstract framework or, or a theory, a, a sort of method of doing something? So who are you asking? I was going to say. Well, I'm asking Darren. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying my, my point is it depends on who in the industry you ask. Exactly, exactly. No, I, so, think, I think that's the point, isn't it? Vendors will have a particular view because they want to sell the idea of building what we've described you know, in terms of what an IBM could be, but but typically they're only going to see so far. As Jordan says, you know, you've got you've got all the interactions to think about between the different domains. You've got potentially, you know, does does anyone want a single vendor solution for for end to end? You know, or is that is that even available? Probably not. But I think um, it, it, the the short answer is, and I hate to say it, but it depends. I, of course I, it does. I, I think that <laughs> I think that from the original idea and concept, we're talking about an approach. Yeah. We're talking I about agree. a design approach. It is the way you approach design on your network. You can approach design as a bunch of individual devices. You can approach design as I'm going to automate things, meaning yeah. I'm still the controller, but I'm going to instead of touching each individual device, I'm going to use a tool or a scripting language to allow me to to get my configurations out to those yeah. devices. Uh, quickly, I can approach design as I don't want to configure each individual device. I want there to be an orchestrator, yeah. right? And so from a design perspective, I interact with the orchestrator. So that's one design approach. And then the, the last design approach, the one that we're talking about here, is abstracting even that controller away and, and saying, okay, so whether it's a controller, individual devices, automation, whatever – as I define my policy. Now, what does this mean? You're going to have to have a device that does this translation. Like it's going to have to interpret this policy and turn it into something. Yeah. And so either that it's, you can call it a controller. Maybe it's the controller controllers I was mentioning above, but the, the, the idea is that there will be some device. It might be a computer. It might be a network appliance. It might be something you're going to have to interact with to, to put this policy somewhere. Yeah. Then it's going to have to do some processing to turn that policy either into commands for your controller, automation scripts, or individual device configuration. It's, like it, that, it's like something. an orchestrator of orchestrators, right. isn't it? Exactly. It really is. Yeah. So, so oh. really, so what you're talking about is, is, is an approach in, in the sense that, that there's a structure to what we're talking about and, and a way of doing it. It's, it's not even a design approach necessarily, but almost a design and operational approach because that's right. the, the other element that we've not touched on yet is, of course, how we make sure that this thing's actually working the way we expect it to be. And so all of your operational ecosystem needs to be considered as part of this as well. And so, again, so, we'll touch on that shortly. So yeah, yeah. so before we get uh, uh, down to, I think, the, the last phase, um, I, I just want to bring up something that, that we had mentioned earlier, but 
I, I would say, how is this different than how we do business today? But but I think I have my own answer based on your feedback already, Darren. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to try and explain this to myself. Okay. I say, um, how is this different than we do business today? And what I mean by that is um, a customer or a company or someone I'm supporting comes to me and says, um, we have a business need for X. Okay. Yeah. So I take that business need and I start building, I start understanding, okay, what needs access to X? What is service X, right? Is it the client side service? Is it the server side service? I start planning things out. Then I start applying that design, that model right, to the equipment that's in place, if I'm using existing equipment, not, not procuring anything new for this service, uh, to the existing equipment in place. So what I'm doing there is I'm sort of modeling it sort of maybe per vendor or per device, right? Mm -hmm. My switch configs are different than my router configs. And I'm essentially defining those templates. I'm extracting uh, the, the business intent, right, the, the service intent into a design, a model, Right. And then what I'll do as a designer and as an architect and an implementer, right, I'm actually going to produce the configs to to implement that service across if it's your WAN, your LAN, your wireless, your data center, whatever sure. it is. So this is exactly how we're doing business today. It's exactly how I do business. Um, so I think the answer to the question is, is like, how is this different than how we do business today is that process still remains. But the architect, maybe the designer's job is to take that 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 business expectation, that service intent, I mean, we're using, I'm using the word intent here a couple of different ways, but, but the, the business intent of, of implementing a service, and instead I'm just translating it maybe into a policy that an intent-based networking controller can then do the configs for me uh, across a multi-vendor environment, across a multi-domain environment, so that, is that what it's doing? It's replacing that portion of the implementation plan? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is a great question. The, the silence here is for a couple of reasons. So I, yeah. I'll, I'll speak up and then Darren, please go, fill go. in as you well. So the, the first reason for silence is I'm going to say, just wait a couple minutes because we're going to talk about some other yeah. components that that really do change um, from or, and really show the differentiation between the way that we do things now. We've only, we've only hit the first of three definitions for intent-based networking. And, and this one right now is just abstraction. Yeah. And so this abstraction already happens. And so it's a fair question to say, like, how is it different? We've already talked about the fact that abstractions already exist. We already have orchestrators. So how is this different than from me, from me interacting with an orchestrator? Does it mean that it's multi-domain? you know, multi -domain? Possibly, not definitely. Um, this is just one component. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is that if you're measuring whether you're doing intent-based networking today, you need to measure it against all three yeah, characteristics. Right. You might already be meeting one of them, which is an abstracted policy language, which is what we're talking about here. That doesn't necessarily mean it's intent-based networking. Abstracted policy language just means that you're able to take um, something other than the actual configuration, abstract it into something else, right? So like the idea is something that's a bit more obtainable, maybe something we could define by uh, the service we're defining or not. Um, and so I think that... That's one component of it. I would say that as we're talking about this, it's almost like an intermediary step. So if we talked yeah. about, about that policy, I still think a controller-based abstraction is still all about the technology. We're, we're not defining necessarily services. We're not defining business processes and purposes. So the idea is with this, it should, the language, regardless of how it's actually physically represented, um, 
you should be defining it based off of the things that Darren had brought up before. Sure. And that is these devices can't talk to these other devices, right? Like these devices can talk, but only for doing this. Right. And, and, and that's really the idea from the, the abstracted policy language is rather than saying, you know, devices in subnet X can't talk to devices in subnet Y, which is a very technical definition of intent. We are saying HR servers can't be accessed by everyday regular workers like that. That's the the policy intent right now. That is human language, right? So what we're saying is the reality of of it being that abstracted is not quite there yet, but that's the direction that we're heading. That's where we want to be. Good, good shout. Thanks for that, for digging me out of the hole, John. Um, <laughs> so, so let's get let's get to the other two, let's and I think, to, that, let's, and let's then if we can revisit yeah, yeah. that question and, yeah, and, sure. and, and see and see what's there. So, so the first one is this idea of defining intent, defining which is intent. an abstracted policy, you know, uh, language that tells the network how to behave. Yeah, yeah. Then there's yeah, the so, go on. yeah. The next step is fulfilling intent. That's this is right. where I think we're the most mature. Definitely. Or I should say, at least we have the tools available to us today to do the things that we want to do. This is where automation and orchestration play a role, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 everything down to yeah, right down to service orchestration and all those sorts of good things that we can do. So we can we can build workflows that are able to represent that intent that we've just talked about um, in some shape or form. So at the moment, we still need to manually build those workflows because we still need to be able to say, and this is that translation, isn't it, from from business yeah, intent into that technical speak of this subnet needs access to this, this this policy that's defined against these endpoints needs to allow us to to have this tag set so that it allows us to do these things. Yeah, here's here's that, where we implement ACL this is, and this identity is exactly, and yeah, routing yeah, yeah. and all of that and, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's that so so right now that means that means having a, a your templates configured for your for your um, what you're pushing out into the network. This is if you're doing infrastructure as code, knowing what variables need to be fed into those templates. This is all of that sort of good stuff that we we're well advanced with now, having gone you know started down that path of automation over the over recent times. So yeah, fulfillment is quite a quite a well understood area, and and we're definitely moving uh, moving on with that. But right. it's only part of the story, right? It's only <laughs> right. part of the trilogy. And and because of that, we're not going to spend a lot of time here. Because yeah. I mean, like if you want if you want to talk about fulfilling intent, um, well, network to code does a lot of shows with us. Yes, like you can talk do. about what that looks like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, or there's yeah, yeah. there's the whole DevNet program from Cisco, which we'll talk about, you know, what does a fulfilling intent really look like from a yeah. from a practical perspective. This is automation and orchestration and all the stuff that has been uh and rightfully hyped (laughs) over the past few years and 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 like i said like this is that we're definitely on this maturity path we're on this on this direction so the last piece of of the three definitions is assuring intent and 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 this is the key point that this is the one that i think that it it may sneak in as as kind of just (laughs) feeling like hey that's monitoring i know what that looks like yeah no no uh it's not it's not it's not the same thing assurance is much deeper and so, Darren, when we were chatting on Twitter yeah. earlier today, you kind of you kind of pointed out some things, and I think that they're they are important points yeah. to recognize about assurance. So I'm going to let you run with this. No, thanks, John. So, so I mean, I suppose the the main thing to think about here is as you're deploying a service into the network, whatever that service needs to look like, um, 
you need to be sure that the network is actually delivering that service. Now, now, once upon a time, that would have looked like running a monitoring platform, checking on individual devices, making sure that those devices were able to be accessed and that interfaces were up and, and that they weren't being overutilized, right? It was that sort of thing. But really all that ever gave us was a very point um, idea of, oh, that, you know, a, a device is doing the thing it should. And think about and, it. From the context perspective here, Darren, like yeah. just take a st- you know step back and, yeah, and yeah. go into that. Maybe you're doing that today. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's highly likely that you are because Completely. most that's where most people are at. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Think about the interpretation that's required on that. Think about yeah. if you're a smart network engineer or architect and you understand what those services are, how many times has someone come to you with something that is completely inconsequential but looks <laughs> like it's a big deal? Right. Yeah. Because they don't understand the context of what that number, what that metric actually means. Right. Yeah. Or what it means within the context of what you're delivering, like how important that particular interface is to the delivery of your service. And you, again, going back to this idea that we have these meat space controllers, like you as the controller of your network understand mm. what those things are, but it requires that level of interpretation from yeah. a human being to understand the components. And even in that, it's usually wildly deficient, yeah. which I think is your next point. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the other element of that is, of course, the whole, you, you end up in that whole situation of monitoring equally stuff that's consequential and stuff that's inconsequential. And you end up with that whole, you know, crazy alert scenario in your monitoring platforms that mean even if there is a problem with something that you know is an issue, you might not even see it. You know, the, the, you know, and so so that whole that whole monitoring thing is, is has been problematic, and we know that it's problematic, and, and it's something that, that that people regularly grappling with to, to to deal with it. The point is that what you want to get yourself into a position really is that that the, the network, um, when you're automating it, when you're orchestrating it, and when you're when you've got that that intent that you're pushing into the network, you want to be able to be sure that it's meeting that intent in the same terms that you're pushing inf- uh, configuration into the network. So you want to be checking to make sure, right, actually, can this, is the service that I think is being delivered actually being delivered? And so it, this needs a whole, um, whole other level of understanding layered on top of this because you need to understand how do things relate to each other in order to deliver that? How when I'm passing traffic across my network, is it actually able to do the things that it needs to be able to do and deliver the service that it needs to be able to deliver? And that's a whole step above um, just just monitoring. Is uh, and there's a dichotomy here, yeah. right? So so <clears throat> what we really need to do is kind of constrain what it is that we're monitoring. So the idea is we're only monitoring things that are relevant. The problem is that we can't just constrain it down to the things that we've traditionally had. So just building better uh, relational mapping between interfaces is not going to give us the information about whether or not a service is being delivered to the capacity that we want. So we have this weird dichotomy where we need a dramatic amount of more information. Mm But we need that information within context and filtered down only to the things that we care about because, because we need that, that, you know, we need information along every component in the path. We need the traditional metrics. We need those metrics. We need to know how that interface is performing. We need to know the capacity on the link. But then we also need to know things like what are the in-systems doing? What is the policy in the middle? Is the policy in the middle actually what I defined in that first step? 
does that policy in the middle actually do what I asked it to do, do. which now means that we're, we're talking about not only just your traditional, you know, polling monitoring, we're also talking about streaming telemetry and we're also talking about some sort of synthetic testing, right? Some sort of way of validating or somehow to extract actual, you know, results from data paths across the network, which are things that we have never traditionally monitored, right? So it is, it is a significant step up in the amount of stuff that we need to watch, but just adding the data isn't enough. There needs to be constraints around it to give you the relevant data. I was going to say, I mean, you mentioned the meat controller before about having, having somebody who's able to piece together all of those elements in order to understand it. You need to replace that with with um, a system that is able to give you that that view based on the based on the policy and what you're trying to deploy into the network. At that same point, when you're orchestrating configuration into uh, into those network devices, you want to be um, creating um, almost a policy in your assurance engine, whatever that is, to be able to test that very same thing you're validating. In fact. You could argue, and this is something that, that we touched on previously, that what you really want to do is create those tests before you even create your configurations. You want to be able to lay out the success criteria for what your intent wants to be in the network before you even make any configuration changes so that you can, you've got that ability to detect the difference between what's deployed uh, and what should be deployed and then be able to rectify that that drift or that diff, whatever you whatever you uh, think of it as. I I, I want to say that um, I, I want to say that the assurance part of this is actually scary to me <laughs> because, like Jordan just defined, as soon as you guys mentioned assurance, in my head I was already thinking about what can we measure. Yeah. You know, how can we validate? And I was just using a simple example of a model in my head. Uh, clients going across, you know, from a LAN, uh, um, um, out of their WAN connection, um, in, you know, maybe they're on Wi-Fi. They're yep. on wireless. Then it goes in through the, the LAN switching, um, uh, out to their edge, their boundary, across the WAN, into the data center where the web server's her, um, held in the cloud. Yeah. Okay? This is super common. Yeah. Um, when we start thinking about all of the components that we need to measure to truly do assurance, because like when we're talking about something as simple as SNMP monitoring, um, you're doing uptime, you're doing interface counters, you're doing metrics, you're doing statistics. Um, that's all. That's all you're doing. You're measuring yeah. what's there. Um, and and like you guys have already defined, um, that doesn't mean that the service is up. That doesn't mean that clients can reach the server. Okay, so uh, so let's go ahead and check policies. Uh, and when I'm thinking policies, I'm thinking um, ACLs, um, policy-based routing, these sort of things, right? Mm-hmm. Let's start ch- checking there, um, making sure we don't have any blocks or drops. So in order for me to start checking policies and whether or not something worked once and now it doesn't work, you know, it worked on Monday, now it doesn't work on Tuesday, now I need to do configuration monitoring, right? Uh, it's constant configuration yeah. monitoring to be able to do that. So now I have an SNMP monitor because you're still going to need that to some degree, you're still going to need that monitoring. Um, then you're going to need configuration management. So there's a, another monitoring platform or service or another product from another vendor. I'm counting two so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Jordan mentioned synthetic traffic. It, w- it was already in my head. I'm like, okay, so how do we do synthetic traffic? Well, you got to put agents on the endpoints 
or you have to put a simulated endpoint where the clients are that is constantly simulating traffic and then reporting that back to a yet another monitoring platform that's either doing agent monitoring right or 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 virtual machine that's sitting in the same lan the same vlan on the same wi-fi or something that the clients are right to be able to have that holistic view and then on the server side you also need to measure what is all the incoming traffic you know i've worked with other platforms from other vendors yeah that are measuring real-time traffic as it's going through to give real-time statistics of, of a user experience. A lot of times they call that like user, user experience, experience monitoring, yep, right? Yep, yep. They want to do initial round trip time, how much bandwidth's coming in and out. And basically it's, it's, it's network monitoring really on live traffic. So I'm talking now, now if we, if we count that sandwich, that's four layers with possible four different vendors. You, uh, you missed a couple, by things. the way. I'm sure I did. Yeah. So, so just just to be clear, just, so just I'll give you, I give you, uh, yeah, no, a great idea, or a great idea of what assurance really looks like is is, and I'll call them out because this is a positive mention. Sure. Um, Cisco DNA Center, uh, the way they do wireless assurance is mm. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it is it is a really really great product uh, for that specific tool, right? For that that yeah. specific thing, that and I, yeah, yeah, in that use case, and 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 what they're pulling is it's not just those things that you mentioned, they're also then keeping track of all the intermediate stuff. How long does it take you to authenticate to an access point? And then in that, like, what does the DHCP request look like? And, did, you know, did, did, I, did I see uh, a request go out? Did I see an offer? Did I see an acknowledgement? Like, I'm actually watching the handshake. So now I have to have the context of the conversation. It's not just... It's not just that I see that DHCP worked. I can see how long each of those requests took. So yeah. I can see that maybe my DHCP server now is taking a long time to offer an address, right? Like we saw the request go through and it was delivered fine. And there was a, a matter of maybe three seconds before it actually offered an address. Well, now, now we've got this context of down to not only are we watching, can it make it? But what does it, and this is more to your user experience, but down to the flows of, of, of the traffic and watching those things. Um, and so like the amount of data is staggering. And this is the reason why, I mean, everyone I've ever talked to about DNA center, like their head explodes when they see the requirements of the box <laughs> yeah. that's required. But this is the reason why yeah, 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 yeah. is because of the, the crunching that happens here. And, and so this speaks to this idea that it's probably not going to be multiple systems at the end of the day. It's probably, it's probably going to be consolidated, consolidated down to one or two systems. And you're going to see those systems doing multiple approaches for monitoring because so this is what's going to happen is that data has to be crunched. Yeah. You can't look at all of that data manually. What you need to do is you, you need to have, and this is where machine learning and artificial intelligence it, it, comes in. And, and Jordan, this, that, comes in. this is exactly why, why, I was, why I brought this up is because mm. as you guys were mentioned assurance and you went through that sort of simple use case in those examples, I'm doing all this in my head and thinking yeah. like there, there's really a lot you know, for a human uh, to think about. I mean, I don't mind looking at all those platforms. I enjoy um, soaking in the data and trying to make sense of what's going on. Right. But at scale, no, it, it wouldn't be possible. You know, maybe troubleshooting one user is fine, but at scale, no way. And so I'm just sort of, you know, and then the multi vendor piece, right? Because there's a lot of platforms that yeah, yeah. that don't do all of those things. You know, SNMP monitoring doesn't manage um, client side agents. You know, SNMP monitoring uh, platforms don't uh, don't do full full packet capture in front of a server, you know, off of a mirror port or a tap or something to be able to get real um, live traffic analytics. Um, so I'm talking about multiple tools, multiple vendors. And I'm just wondering how, 
you know, intent-based networking, how that assurance piece is supposed to be, again, we go to do this like abstract of policy. How do I write policy that says, make sure clients from group A can reach server in, in location B? All right, that's my policy. Now go translate that into all the monitoring capability that's out there and report to me if it doesn't work. So so in my head, the it's it's almost like the same the same multi uh, multi-domain configuration and orchestration piece that we've had to do in in the fulfillment side, you kind of have to do in the assurance side as well and and have the 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 um the systems to, to look after those individual elements and then something to sit over the top of it to be able to 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 bring that all that view together and and i think i mean jordan you said there about about bringing them all together into one platform those platforms are going to be so monstrous that you're almost actually wanting to have this ability to drill down you almost wanted a more abstract view of taking all as much configuration and state as you can from those things in order to to give an indication of what it should be to check things like you can do simulated paths through the network to make sure that that things are the way you would expect them to be at a first level and then have a this this idea of of monitoring application paths let's say to make sure that applications behave the way they want to but it's but it's orchestrating that to 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 show well actually how do I prove <laughs> that a service is giving me what I should should have? You'll need to make sure, you might need to make sure that three or four of those platforms have all of the, the same information in them, that the right, that the inventory is synchronized between them, that 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 the the policy information, the policy requirements are synchronized across them, but then have something there that can that can abstract that view and give you the higher level view so that you can drill down into the lower level view. But you're absolutely right. This is the hardest part of of the whole intent-based networking story, so, I think. So I, I'm really, I'm actually really worried for the future <laughs> because, because <laughs> this, in our, that's not what this is supposed to be. No, no, no. <laughs> in, in our field, everything always starts with networking first and security second. So I just hate to see what intent-based security is going to be like because it's an, it's a nightmare already as it is. Right. So I, with, with so many different places in a network for, for enforcement. Right and validation, right. which is why I mean, you need the, now. You, now we're just talking about moving packets from one side to the other, let alone you know enforcing and and DPI and and all these other uh, policies that we can apply to traffic. It's, I mean the point the point is if you've got if you've got the abstract view, if you know where those policies are being deployed, where they're where they're yeah, enforced, and and you're able to to have that whole view even at an abstract level. There's nothing stopping you then drilling down into the detail using the, the platforms and systems we've got now um, when you're when you're going through that process of, um, of of troubleshooting. But you just have to have something with that over oversight because otherwise you will never get to a point where yeah, you can but, actually say, yes, this is working the way it should uh, be. You know, it's just one of the issues I bring yeah, up again. Yeah, I say yeah. I, I'm worried for the future, and it's not just maybe because this isn't a technical challenge that we can't overcome. I'm sure it is. You know, given enough time and money, every technical challenge can be overcome. But also, um, I see like many organizations, right? Uh, typically, the networking team manages these components, and the security team manages these components, right? So, if we want to really have a holistic view, we need to have something that's looking at all the components. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And, 
that's scary. It is well, scary. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it's a change. That's why it's scary. That's why it's scary. All, cha- all right? change is scary. So, I but I think <laughs> I want to I want to bring back to your point here as well, Tony, is that like each of these components have different levels of maturity as we've talked about them, right? So yeah. this defining intent, you know, on a scale of one to 10, we're somewhere near probably like if I had to put a number on it, five, right? Like the idea is we, we, we don't we don't have a great way for cross-domain policy definition. Our, our networks still aren't even reliable and consistent enough to fully abstract. Yeah. There, there's, there's still lots of components that are stopping us from seeing the panacea that is a cross-domain um, abstraction language that works, you know, kind of across the board. Um, for the f- fulfilling intent, I feel like we are maturing rapidly, and there I'd put it around like a probably like a seven, maybe an eight. Like the the systems are coming around, where automation is there. The tools are coming around, where automation is there. Orchestration is being pushed as 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 a big portion of what we're doing uh, in in all the different domains of networking. And so I I feel like we are you know, from defining intent, we are a lot closer to reality than, than maybe the other places. Now in the fulfilling intent, I feel like maybe that number is like a two or a three right now, because what we have for tools available to us are nowhere near what we need to really give us the vision that intent-based network provides us. That doesn't mean that we can't do intent-based networking with the tools that we have and recognize where the gaps are. Being that I can run intent-based networks with SNMP polling. I just have to think about what tools do I have, what tests are involved to, to, to validate it and validate it the best that I possibly can. Right. And, and so when we talk about intent based network, and I think that this is the key point here that I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to try to wrap everything up here. And that is this intent based networking is about an approach. The approach is a way of systemic thinking that changes the way that we design and operate and validate our networks. Right. That's those are those three phases. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's thinking of it as a holistic system rather than as individual components. And in doing that, <clears throat> much like Darren said, when you design something, you almost, well, I mean, not almost, you usually are going to have to design it with validation in mind. What tools do I have? How can I do this? Does that meet the vision of what assurance could possibly be? No, not completely and not yet, but we're going to, we're going to continue to mature in those things. And as we do, you're going to have to keep adding uh, maturity in the way that you do intent-based networking. But there are a lot of gaps, right? There are a lot of gaps. The the tools that we have that are available to us are not there, which is the reason why going all the way to back to the back. top of the show, intent-based networking is not a product. Intent-based networking will be components of this solution, right? Of, of this approach, this way of doing networking. There are going to be tools that help you get there. You cannot buy intent-based networking because intent-based networking is the way you think about doing network. You can buy tools, right? That help you design, that help you automate and orchestrate, that help you with assurance. And maybe the tool does all three and that's why they call it an intent-based networking product or platform. But intent-based networking is approach. It's a, it's about a mindset. It's about the way you go about it. And so I like, this is the reason why it's so confusing Right. When when vendors go and co-opt these terms to sell products, it's not because they're wrong or that they're mean or that there's anything <laughs> nefarious about this. Right. It's that they're trying to resonate with with the way that we're thinking by telling us that they have a product that can help us do those things. And somehow that turns into 
That's what the thing is. Yeah. And so in our conversation, <laughs> just kind of give some context about the conversation that, that started this. <laughs> Darren came on, so we should talk about intent-based network. And I'm like, it's a fantasy because the, the word is defined by how most people understand it, right? The, the, the word is defined. And unfortunately, that means mostly vendors get to define what our words mean. Yeah. So we can call this intent-based networking or we could not. The, the real thing about this is it's about the, the design, implementation, and validation approach to the way that you do networking. And that's really the fundamental shift. That was the original idea. That's the reason why the IETF is going after it and trying to set a standard. It's that approach. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Darren. You're nodding your head a lot. but uh, No, I, I, you've just said it all, really. But uh, I, I suppose, you know, I've, I've been doing this networking stuff quite a long time. Um, kind of gone through all the process, look at, you know, been designing and networks for for however however long. And we've always done it in a way where it was using the components and building out in, in that templated manner as best we could, scalable, module, modular, all of those sorts of good things. And it now feels like when you think about this, we're actually going about it, or we've been going about it in a way that that, that probably wasn't optimal, looking at what intent-based networking could be in terms of defining the end result and almost and and making sure that it's that, that we're able to test and validate that it really is that thing and then building a network that fits that that um assurance that validation i think um feels like it's it's much more um where it should be in terms of making sure that service availability is king and that let's face it if the services aren't available um you know as network engineers, we're the ones who are going to get it in the neck, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I no, think Tony also. This, I, I think the approach is good. Yeah, I think sorry, I think. Sorry. No, sorry, I think Tony also highlighted something here that is, you know, it's not necessarily a gap in the technology, but it's a gap in the in the people and process side yeah. of things, and that is that we are used to our traditional silos, yeah. um, and we've been trying, right? I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have been looking at that and recognizing just how um, inefficient. Uh, that is from a from a business outcome perspective, but the reality is is that tribes are real and they happen and they and people congregate in the way that there is commonality, and so I think that you know one of the other gaps that I think that has to be identified is the fact that there's a there's a people and process gap here, not just yeah. a technology gap that we're going to have to adjust to because it, networks are built for a reason. Right. They're built for a reason. They're to support the business and to support the applications the business needs to run. Right. So they can't be done in a vacuum. And we've been doing it that way for a long time. We build it in a vacuum. And if the packets go from A to B, then it's good. Like, I don't what it, but that's not good enough anymore. Right. Like, it's not good enough to think about your systems that way. No. If you're really taking it from a business first approach, it's not servers and networks and storage, all those different components. They are a technology solution that ultimately delivers a result. And so there's going to be, if you want to talk about change being painful, the technology change is not the one I'm worried about, Tony. <laughs> it's it's the yeah. people change that is going to be the painful one. And that's because people don't change easily. Uh, I think that this is probably a good place to wrap it up. Uh, this was a really, really great conversation. And this now means we've been talking about this for probably about three hours today. So go <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> so Darren, before we before we go, I want to give yeah. you an opportunity to share where people might find you, talk about all of the cool content you're creating um, so that we can point people where they're going. Sure. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm 
my Twitter handle very simply uh, at Darren Falwell. If you follow me there, you'll see a whole load of stuff that uh, I do with a bunch of guys called um, In It Six. Who um, it's an initiative that we set up uh, really to address some of these things we've been talking about. Actually, about about what it takes to move from being a traditional network engineer, an old gnarly network engineer like I always describe myself, um, to being to, to to what this this new world looks like really in terms of automation, programmability, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, there's a whole load of us from the uh, the CCIE Advisory Council kind of got together and started trying to do some mentoring and that sort of thing. So look out for us. We've got a, a N86 uh, YouTube channel, uh, various things. So I'll uh, I'll give you the links for those that you can put in the show notes. Generally. Awesome. Are you still doing Network Freestyle? Been a little while. Um, okay. But, uh, but um, there, there is hopefully some uh, some news to come on that. Uh, Malcolm, who I've been doing that with, has been uh, super busy as of I over the last year or so. But we've, um, we've, we're, we're dusting off the... Uh, we're dusting Good. off the Network Freestyle uh, uh, YouTube channel this uh, coming All right. So, so. so you need to go and subscribe to init 6 and Network yeah. Freestyle just in the hopes that, that, that the there's hope some... There, there will be <laughs> But there will if be you haven't watched content. it yet, it's not old content. Like the stuff doesn't expire. So go watch yeah. the old stuff because it's great. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, so Darren Fullwell on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's probably it. the easiest way to get in, in yeah, or touch on, with you. Uh, yeah, or LinkedIn, obviously. All right. Perfect. You don't want to give out your home address or anything in case they want to send airmail. No, not a good okay. idea. <laughs> Tony, man, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm a show IP interface brief on Twitter and you can find me in the Network Collective Slack and on our uh, on our YouTube channel live stream and Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's right. And through any number of Too viral tweets re recently. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> right. he's uh, he's been he's been sending out some things that have resonated. It's been fun to watch <laughs> about VTP of all things, which is uh, which is kind of funny. But uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, that yeah. wraps it up for today. If you enjoy this episode, you can find all of our past episodes on networkcollective.com. Uh, if you'd like new episodes pushed right to you, you can subscribe to us. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all the places where you might find a podcast. Um, like Tony mentioned, we're doing the live streaming thing, and that's just an absolute. A uh, ton of fun. Darren can't join us. It's unfortunate. 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. He doesn't stay up to what? That'd be like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning for <laughs> you? Just just one, but uh, that's, that's late. Oh, enough. just one. <laughs> just yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so but uh, if you are in the U.S., we've tried to make it work for people who are in the U.S. And uh, so 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays, we're having lots of fun. Uh, we keep coming up with cool ways to give away Network Collective Swag and other stuff. So, um, you know, you definitely want to come, if nothing else, then to get free stuff. But, you know, we have a lot of fun and we play some games and we talk tech and we do demos and do all kinds of stuff on the stream. It's, uh, it's turning into yeah, you're, so, quite a good you're, hardware. You're, you're not selling it to me. Sure. No? Sorry. Uh, not, not good one enough? One o'clock is still... still it's it's still, yeah. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> anticipate that anyone's going to be up in the middle of the night. But here's the cool thing. We take that content... Right, We leave the live stream intact because we had this request a lot, but we take that content, we carve it up, and we post it on our YouTube channel. Nice. Right, So, Darren, this is for you, all right? Thanks. You can go watch all the cool stuff that we do, and you can do it in more consumable ways because rather than watching like an hour to two hours worth of us talking and going through all these different things, it's going to be short little like 10, 15-minute nice. clips that you can watch of, you know, um, Tony got some love from uh, from from Zero Tier, right? Like, like he did a demo of uh, of their stuff and and they they loved it so they're out tweeting and we're going to be posting that demo right so you can watch like how to connect to Google Cloud with this uh, cool little VPN solution that's out there right so that's nice. it's cool so go to our YouTube channel 
And and this is you know this is the YouTuber that I'm becoming. You need to you know you need to click the <laughs> bell. You need to subscribe. You need to comment on all of our videos. Help the algorithm. Yeah, I need to like point down and point, like yeah, yeah. yeah, all that other stuff. Right. I'm <laughs> awful YouTuber. Uh, I don't like all that stuff. But it really does help us, right? So go subscribe sure. to us there. And there's great content there. That's all video focused. You can watch it over lunch. You can watch it when you have some time to kill. When you're avoiding work, whatever. Like that's that's the whole fun of that. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, social media. Right. We're at NetCollectivePC on Twitter. Um, and you can search for Network Collective both on Facebook and LinkedIn. And uh, finally, if you listen to the show regularly and you appreciate the content we put out, would you please consider becoming a supporter of the show? So it's direct support from our listeners allows us to continue producing great content like this and the live stream while keeping advertising to a minimum. So we don't ask for much. It's five bucks a month with no commitments. Uh, if you pay for a year up front, it's even less. And supporters uh, not only get to keep the show going, uh, they also get some cool perks. Uh, so you get uh, access to the Network Collective Community Slack, which is a great resource. You get a private feed to the show that has all the advertisements removed. So even if you just don't like advertisements, <laughs> like that's, there's a perk <laughs> for you. For that. That's worth it for that alone. Um, and then Network Collective merch at our cost. So you, know, you definitely want to go get a Network Collective t-shirt. And you know we're not going to double dip. So if you're paying to support us, we're not going to make money off the merch then as well. Uh, so that's it. So thanks again for joining us today. Uh, thanks, Darren. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, Tony. And uh, I think that's it. So uh, we'll see everyone next time.